This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. If you will, you can go ahead and open your Bibles back up to 1 Corinthians 7. And we are going to do a quick review because we've, we've had a little break here and, you know, we've gotten our our carnality on and ate up and got the itis and all that, but it's time to be right, brought right back to where we were. You know, let's get our minds right back. So I am going to do a bit of review, but we're going to be moving today because, like I said, I'm looking to finish my portion today. And if we don't, it's okay because God's Word transcends time and we can always come back to it. So again, I want to start, and I said I was going to do this, I want to start again with what marriage is. Because this is the thing that we have to keep in our minds. This will keep you covenant-minded if you know what marriage is. So marriage, again, is a divine institution created by God, whereby two rational, free moral agents who are born again choose to enter a lifelong commitment with an imperfect person. Then after knowing Jesus, remember we said who are born again, after knowing Jesus, you can enter into that covenant. With an imperfect person. We said covenant is how God has chosen to deal with man. Covenant, God orders everything for man by covenant. And so without covenant, there's no agreement that establishes your, your lifelong commitment. There's no agreement that establishes your faithfulness. If you don't have covenant, then, then there is no agreement. There is no, there's no relationship. There's no relationship of order. Because God's relationship of order involves covenant. God dealing with us by covenant says, I'm committed to you. No matter what comes your way, I'm committed to you, and it's a, I'm with you for a lifetime. That's what God's saying about his, that's his promise to you. It's everlasting. That's what covenant is. And again, we've been lacking in this, because the Bible does say, Husband, love your, love your wives as, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And he did give himself, we, we, we're looking at the Abrahamic covenant, right? We're looking at the Abrahamic covenant and how, how God cut covenant with himself. Because God has given God has given everything that He has because He's coming for you, uh, and and what He's brought together, what He's confirmed in covenant, He will let no man tear asunder. That's why He sent His Son. He sent the righteous one because He's coming for you. So again, and we and we looked at the Abrahamic covenant. We watched how God developed Abraham's faith, Abram's faith. He developed for He developed for him, and then and He saw how Abram He heard God and He would obey. He listened to God, and he would move. He would do exactly what God said. And, and let me tell you, God was like, he's ready to cut covenant with me. And, and I love how Minister Martin started this off with the qualities of good marriage, because in order to have the qualities in a good marriage, you have to understand covenant. God knew that Abraham was ready for, co- ready for covenant because he saw the qualities. He saw his faithfulness. God knew it. Uh, that's, that's why after he refused, you know, everything that so, the king of Sodom tried to give him, that's, uh, God, God showed up and eased his tension and said, but I'm your shield and I'm your reward. Your faithfulness. See, I, I know you have, the, you have the character, the qualities needed to go into this covenant. And you know what that quality was? It, it said in the scripture, it said Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him for righteousness. His faithfulness. God said, oh, he's ready to cut covenant. Abraham said in his mind, whatever, listen, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. All I need is for you to give it to me. And of course, in this instant, it was talking, he was talking about a child. But listen, for those who, I, I'm looking for a marriage. God, listen, have you been faithful to God first? God is ready to give it to you if you, if you know you're going to be faithful to him. 
You have to show that, that you're ready to go into the covenant with them. And again, like I said, he appeared to him. He said, I'm your shield. I'm your, I'm your exceedingly great reward. He went into covenant with Abram. And then Abram, what did he end up doing? Nothing. He ended up sitting there and receiving the, the gift because he already had his faith. God cut covenant with himself, and Abraham just laid there and accepted it. And I said, we ought to liken our covenant. See, you have to keep, remember, marriage is God's institution. You think of the marriage covenant. You have to liken our covenant to the covenant God has cut with us. When you go into this covenant, you can't go into it thinking, listen, I'm expecting this person to do this, this, that, and that for me. You better be faithful. You better do this. You better do that. Listen, were they faithful to God before you, got, before you made this decision? Because if they were, then all you need to tell them is, I'm a promise to do my part of the covenant. And you just sit there and receive that. Because, listen, God has already dealt with them. They've been faithful to God. Because it's his covenant. It's not your covenant. Uh, remember what sowing reapers, God is bringing something to you. You're just managing it. It's God's covenant. You have to maintain it. And again, in Ephesians 5, it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. That's why you have to remain covenant-minded, because, listen, that marriage is not about, oh, we're bringing our money together, we're going to be good now, we're going to be rich. It's not about that. It's not about, oh, man, we can have sex, whatever we want. It's not about that. Oh, I can have a child now. Uh, it's about what God wants. It's His covenant. And there's a purpose. There's a mystery. It's to show us Christ in the church. It's a sign to the believer. So we have to stay covenant-minded. And again, my objective is to learn how to maintain the physical aspect of God's covenant of marriage. So are we in 1 Corinthians 7? Because I want to get moving and get to a certain place. And like I said, finish today. 1 Corinthians 7, and I'm going to start at verse 1. And again, some of these things I just can't help but speak on. So we are going to speak on them, but I'm going to move kind of quickly. I hope we can refresh your memory where we've been. And hopefully you've been listening and, and going back and listening to some of these messages again, some of the notes. Hopefully you've gone back to your premarital. Then you've gone back to the beginning of marital class where we're talking about the, the qualities of a good marriage and we're talking about the financial aspect and the physical aspect and now you can see and, and like I said like, the sowing and reaping and tie the truth listen all these things tied together line upon line precept upon precept and why do I have to have why do I need to know all these things because marriage is God's institution the world will give you everything you want about marriage they'll tell you what you want to hear but God has some things that you need or you can end up in marriage counseling or end up divorced. Because it's God's institution. So hopefully you're going back through listening to these things, taking these notes down, letting God illuminate it to you. Because I'm going to tell you, we haven't got the full enlightenment on it ourselves. So you need to go back to God. Tell me more about it, God. Ask in faith. Okay, so verse 1. I'm sorry. See, that's what happens to my time. First, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 7. Now concerning these things wherever you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And we say, why is it not good? Because this will alter these two individuals for a lifetime. That's why it's meant for the marriage covenant alone. When you touch a woman like that, you're not only, especially sexually, you're not only bringing your bodies together, you're bringing everything you are together. 
You're joining your personalities. And when you, if you're not in covenant with them, you're taking this personality to the next person you join with. You're taking all the hurt, all whatever, to the next person you're joining with. It's not good for a man to say, listen, and you have to be in God's covenant. His divine institution. That's, it's, it's so crucial that you know Jesus. Because I promise you, these problems will come up. And there's already troubles. If you remember the qualities, there's already troubles that come in marriage. But if you don't know Jesus, let me tell you, that's the biggest trouble out. I guarantee you, your marriage isn't going to work. You may, you may be success, successful in marriage according to this world standards, but you'll never have life in your marriage. Because uh, Jesus is life. And if you don't know Jesus, you won't have it in your marriage. So remember this as well. Like I said, if you, the reason it's in the covenant of marriage is because when you touch somebody, the expectation is you're going to always be with me. That's the expectation. That's the covenant. When God touched your heart, when, when Jesus came in, the expectation is he's with me. Listen, when I was going through the study of my mind, it brought me back to the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with you for a lifetime. He's not, his covenant, remember we said it, it's everlasting. I'm with you. has nothing to do with what you think covenant is. It's God's institution. And then verse 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the, the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. So let's start back at that verse 2. I have to say it again. Your own wife, your own husband, it deals with every, listen, every question that you can ask, you have to have your own. It deals with your homosexuality. Have your own wife, husbands. Husbands have your own, uh, wives have your own husbands. It deals with anything you can think of. If you have a question, read that scripture. It deals with all of that. A single male, a single female. Marriage is God's intended safeguard against all of your sexual immorality. So, if you are caught up in sexual immorality and you feel yourself burning, read the scripture and it will tell you what to do. Marriage is God's intended safeguard. But you better know Jesus. So you can't take his covenants lightly. You can't just hop in and out. Oh, well, I'm burning. I'm hopping into marriage. Well, let me tell you, that marriage is going to burn too. If you don't know God's covenant, if you don't know the relationship of commitment and faithfulness, it's not going to last. Well, I just got to do what's right. Well, you haven't been doing what's right by being faithful to God in the first place. I promise you it won't work. And then verse 3 again, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. And what do we say? The focus of marriage is to give your spouse what's due, instead of demanding or expecting what you think is, is what you deserve. You're right. Right? And we looked at that word due. We said due there means it's your covenantal duty to perform this. And benevolence is goodwill and kindness. So they are due your goodwill and your kindness. And that goes both ways. No one person in the marriage deserves this more than the other. Like I said, it's, it's not your right. 
This is something that you're freely giving. You, you know, like, 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 God, like God gave his son freely and the son gave his life freely. In the covenant that he, that he gave you, that you, all you had to do was believe by faith. There should be a mutual desire to do due benevolence to your spouse. Due benevolence. And then again, power over his or her body. We said that that means there's no exclusivity as it pertains to marriage and sex and physical aspects. No holding out. But then we said last time, there's a, there's a much wider application as well. We said that you can have having power over your If your wife was to give you a suggestion, saying that you need to go get your checkup, she has the power over your body to tell you that. Because you know what it's about? It's about looking out for each other's best interests. Just like Jesus looks out for your best interests. And the Holy Spirit nudges you with the ways of Jesus. Hey, we need to get this done. Why? So you can have life in your marriage. You can have life, period. Remember, marriage is a union. It's not, like I said last time, it's, it's, not about, it's not a master-slave relationship. You can't make your, it's not saying, you can't make your, your, your wife submit. You can't make your husband love you as Christ of the church. It's freely given, like I said. Like the scriptures say. We, we talked about last time how, how Jesus, it's not a, like I said, not a master-slave relationship. Jesus, listen, he is the master. But you didn't see Jesus walking this earth saying, I'm your master. You go do this. You go do that. You know what? Jesus was the greatest servant. He was the most humble. He fashions him. First off, the most humble thing he could do was fashion himself as a man. You read about kings, who Jesus is the king, you know they're bo- they, they born in the, in the most elegant of places. The most, listen, all the doctors around, we're making sure everything's going. Jesus was born in a manger. Tattered clothes, animals around them. And you've got to imagine that area. Merry Christmas. He was born as a servant because he knew what he came to do. Uh, he knew the covenants. He's a covenant-keeping God. I, I got to do what I got to do to keep to maintain this covenant because what God is doing together, I'm not letting any man put asunder. And he came as a man, greatest servant. And, and husbands, you are to as Christ loves the church. You to mirror this. You're not supposed to be the one who says, I'm superior to my wife. No, you're servant. You're servant. And that's how you get the sow and reap principle. Listen, serve your wife. I guarantee you she'll serve you. That's sowing and reaping. You know how it says, in, we were talking about in First Peter, where it was talking about Sarah calling Abraham Lord. But she adorned herself with meek, a meek and quiet spirit. Uh, but let me tell you this. Husbands, you need to adorn your wife, not just with these gifts, you know, like, like Christmas. I got my wife a gift for Christmas that she can wear as well. But you need to adorn her with the gifts of the Spirit. So when she responds to you, she responds to you with the gifts of the Spirit that you've adorned her with. That means I need to treat her with meekness as well. With kindness. With love. I need to show an expression of my, I gotta have to have charity, an expression of my love. Gentle with my, with my spouse. Joy. Long suffering. Just like, just like God is with us. Long suffering. 
And we talked a little bit about kindness. Because, like we said, kindness goes a long way. And it's just a byproduct of your love. But kindness goes a long way. Again, like I said, you, you can't just be one way all week and not show any type of kindness to your mom, and then you think you can do whatever you want to a marriage. I, I haven't said this yet, but hopefully you've heard it throughout the teaching. Listen, the physical aspect, sex, it's a byproduct of everything else. Where's your kindness? Where's your love, your joy, your peace, your long-suffering? And you wonder why she's like, uh-uh, or he's like, uh, uh tonight. It's a byproduct of adorning her, of the due benevolence that's due to your spouse. And I say her again, but this works both ways. It's a byproduct of it. Don't make the covenant about you. It's about them. So again, there's no holding out because you belong to each other. That's what covenant is. You belong to each other. Listen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, and we're his. You belong to each other. We are guides through the righteousness of Christ. We are seen as something totally different. But again, like we said in, in marriages today, some people will, and it says in the scripture here, defraud ye not one another. Some people will defraud you, defraud each other. We gave examples before of how people defraud each other. But again, you can't deprive or cheat your spouse because you, want to, you feel like defrauding one another. Or, or whatever, your, whatever your excuse may be. However you're, you're going out through your life, I don't feel like having this, I don't feel like doing that, I'm, I'm just about the children now. That's, you can't defraud it because your body doesn't belong to you. I am not my own. See, I say these things because I want you to like it. Listen, the marriage covenant is supposed to remind you of Christ in the church. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. And what is that price in, in, in marriage? It's faithfulness. Because Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him for righteousness. I belong to them. She belongs to me. He belongs to me. Listen, you're not your own. That's why it says have your own wife and husbands have, listen, and wives have your own husband. But then we saw in this, uh, in defrauding, we said, well, how, how can we, how can we, how can we begin to look to not defraud each other? We said the first thing is you need proper communication. There's a temptation associated with a lack of healthy communication. If you want to render due benevolence, then you have to communicate. Build intimacy through communication. That'll help you keep from falling into sin. Acting out against God's covenant. That'll help you from defrauding one another. Healthy communication. Talk about your insecurities. Uh, don't be ashamed. You know, a lot of people don't like talking about... Talk, talk about it to... Listen. How, how is your spouse supposed to know what you do and don't like? How are they supposed to know what your insecurities are? How are they, know, how are they supposed to know what they're supposed to go, go to God about, about you if you don't even share with them? Because you're insecure. And we're supposed to, it's supposed to be a sign to the believers. Christ in the church. We said it. If, if, 
What you need to know about Christ, about a situation, you go to the Holy Spirit. You ask in faith. Mimic that. It's real plain and simple. It's just that easy. Talk. Communicate. Dwell with them. And how do we dwell? Uh, according to knowledge. And apply that knowledge and it becomes wisdom. Wisdom means, wait, this situation came up again and I know what to do. This situation came up for this person, I know what to tell them. Because the knowledge that I received, I've walked in it. And God's word will not return void. But that's how you communicate with them, according to knowledge. According to the knowledge of the word of God. Because you can get all types of knowledge out there. We're talking about God's institution, though. We're talking about his divine institution. And again, we said that to dwell means to take up residence with, to delight in communion with. So you have to say to your spouse, I delight to communicate with you. On all levels. Because remember, joining with your wife, it's not just about your physical joining. On all levels, you need to communicate with her. To delight in communion or agreement with. To behold the beauty of. To seek the favor of. To inquire in their temple. That's the, that's the one thing that you should desire from the marriage. When you go into the covenant, you shouldn't desire anything but that. To dwell. To dwell, dwell, dwell. According to knowledge. That's how you grow in marriage. And then we say you must have the proper attitude as well. When you properly prepare, you must have the proper attitude. And that means you have to... Ex- Sex is regular in marriage, but you don't treat it regular. That's what I mean when I say that. Proper planning in your physical... Listen, make her feel special. Husbands, if you make, I, I, I promise you, you know, someone read, Mr. Hayes said, your wife is good ground. So into her. Find out the things, listen, find out the things that she likes. That means you have to dwell. What excites her senses? To the eyes, to the smell, to the touch. That's called dwelling. And we're going to get a little bit more on that in just a little, in a little bit as well. But then again, there should be a genuine build-up. A genuine expectation and excitement over the event. Have her feel excited. I've seen so many people, and I can only say it from a guy's point of view. Well, I've seen women too, but I can say it from a guy's point of view. You're excited about everything else but your wife. Oh, the Super Bowl's on. Oh, I'm getting a pay raise at work. Oh, this. Oh, that. Oh, we're going on a vacation here. Let's plan this. Let's put this together. Let's do that. Let's do this and that and the other. But what about your wife? Genuine excitement. The one that you prefer. There should always be an excitement about that. But you know what, that that comes with dwelling according to knowledge and wisdom. 
Always excitement. You know how you keep her always excitement? Because you know her, so you know what excites her. It's simple. Just like you keep yourself excited, because you know you and you know what you like. I know what I like to eat. I know what I like to wear. Yeah, but what is she like? Certain things, listen, in marriage, in the, in the, in the covenant of marriage, you got to settle some things too. You got to let certain things that you like go. Because it's no longer about you. I'm, t- I'm telling you, before you make these decisions about stepping into the marriage covenant, consider these troubles. Paul's trying to tell you right now. He wishes that we're all is him. Which brings me to my next point. Proper planning, it requires good health. Uh, he wishes all were like it, like in Timothy. Hey, it profits little because you're going to be like me. You're going to be a unit. But if you're in a marriage covenant, guess what? You're not going to be a unit. There's proper planning. Because you have to maintain that covenant. Because it's not just about you anymore. You're not a eunuch. And again, like we said before, yeah, they should love you for who you are. They should. But also, they, they, the reason that they do love you is because you, you went in the covenant with them, and you promised to maintain your end of the covenant. Uh, yeah, yeah. A bit. Listen, good health is vital to the physical part of your covenant, so you have to promise to maintain that. See, these are troubles. What did Paul say? I wish you were like me. I wish you were as me. These are troubles of marriage. Uh, but why, why do we have to keep these things up? Because it's a sign to the believer. Why do I have to do this? I don't have to do this. No, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. But remember what you, what you said in your covenant. Remember you said you belong to each other. So what does that mean? Make yourself desirable. Put forth an effort for the one that you said that you prefer. Uh, That applies to your hygiene. Put forth an effort. Especially during this time of pandemic, right? Right. You need to put forth an effort. Let me put it like this. When you got up and you had to go into work, you used to put dress, you used to get dressed, you used to put your cologne on and all that. Now, I'm not saying you can't stay behind your computer with your shirt on and your pajama pants on, but listen, why are you using your best cologne to go out to see somebody you don't prefer? And you at the house with her. Uh, the cologne that, well, hopefully, you bought because she liked it, but I'm going to wear it out. But while I'm at the house, I'm in my t-shirt and my pajamas and you don't even get to smell it now. And then do and then want what you want when it's time for you. But this is the one you prefer. So again, you have to know what looks good to them, what smells good to them, what tastes good to them. Because when you plan these special events and special evenings, listen, take your time. Listen, get get her what she likes to eat. 
This is not just an event like, oh, we home, it's going down the line, let's go in here, let's go. No. Take your time. Spend the time with your wife. You, you know why? Because that helps her grow as well. That helps her see that you're committed to this covenant. We're not trying to rush anything with you. I want you to understand my love for you. That's why I'm showing you. And I'm going to take my time. That's why, that's why God gives it to us line upon line and precept upon precept. He wants us to understand our, his love for us. So he takes his time. And guess what? The whole, just like the Holy Spirit is with you for a lifetime, that's why this covenant is a lifetime. Take your time. Because taking your time while in that event, that builds up anticipation for the physical part. That's when you see here like, uh, I'm going to push my plate to the side because I'm ready for something else. But you've got to build up this, appetition, uh, uh, this anticipation. And then when you get into the bedroom, you take it just as slow. Oh, Mr. Hill, wait a minute. Now, let's not talk about that. Okay, I won't. But let's let God. Let's turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses 15 through 19. And I'm going to take it slow here. We've got a little time. Verse 15. And it says, Drink waters out of thy own cistern. And running waters out of thine own well. Now, I, I'm going to tell you right now, he's talking about husbands drinking waters out of, from your own wife. And, and wife, your own husband. You see how that, that goes with First Corinthians? Have your own. Drink waters from your own. And what you have to know is where, you know, when it says it's your own, when you drink waters from your own, you have to know your sister. That comes from the dwelling with knowledge and wisdom. And then again it says, it says, I'm sorry, let thy fountains be dispersed, verse 16, be dispersed abroad and rivers, rivers of waters in the street. Now, it's amazing to me that they talk about fountains and water. Because we know that water means life. And, and it says here, let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and the rivers of water in the streets. It's telling you, listen, if you drink from your own cistern, if you know your own cistern, listen, that life will be, it'll, it'll, be a, it'll be abounding. You'll be abounding in life. Not only physical life, like children, like your seed, but in your marriage you'll see life. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Because you have to know your own cistern. Let the waters be thine own. Let the life, now that, now that right there is talking about physical. Let those children be from your own sister. And then verse 18, let thy fountain be blessed. By who? Uh, it's blessed by God through the husband. It won't change the scripture that says, if it says this. Let thy fountain receive its due benevolence. <laughs> thy fountain, your cistern, and rejoice with the wife of, of thy youth. 
Now, that's an, ex- an interesting phrase there. Because when you hear a lot of people say, a lot of people say it like this. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. But that little two-word, two-letter word, in, no, 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 it says with the wife of your youth. So, so wives that use the scripture, with means you need to rejoice too. Rejoice together with the wife of thy youth. And rejoicing means you have to be patient. You have to, listen, you have to, you have to be kind. You have to adorn yourselves with the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because it preserves your covenant. Uh, when you rejoice, it makes those special times even that much more enjoyable. Even that much more pleasurable. Because remember what I said, those physical times, they're a byproduct of you rejoicing with the wife of thy youth. It makes those times more pleasurable. Then it says, let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. And be thou ravished always with her love. Uh, so let's go into the physical part of rejoicing with the wife of your youth. A, a lot of people do this. And this is something I learned in this ministry a long time ago. It, it's so funny. Because I learned it when I wasn't even in the season of marriage. But it, when I got married, it came right into my mind. See, God knows what he's doing. And I remember my father saying this, back off of 35. And it's true. And a lot of people do this. When you're in there and you're physically having sex with your spouse, turn the light on. How are you going to rejoice with her physically if you don't even know what she looks like? If you're not looking, if you can't see her. It says, let her breast satisfy thee, but you need to see her. Just like you need to see... Uh, if you're not happy with what you see, remember... His body is yours, is, is, is yours and her body is yours. If you're not happy, you have to be maintaining your, listen, maintain your part of the covenant and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. If y'all both decide, hey, we're going we gonna to look however we want to look and do what we want to do, that's fine too. But rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Listen, if that's what y'all like and y'all dwell in whatever you like and y'all dwell together and y'all come to this according to knowledge, then that's fine. But rejoice. Undress your wife. You know. You know, don't have her get in there and be like, okay, okay, strap up. You ready? No, no, no. Take your time. Undress her. Let her know. This is your expression of love. If you only tell her how beautiful she looks when she's in some clothes that you think look good, then she don't really look. It's the clothes that look good. Listen, your spouse should look good to you no matter what. Undress her. Look at her body and tell her. Tell her what looks good to you. Tell her that's what I prefer. Because that's why I'm in covenant with you. That's how you get to know your cistern. That's how you draw waters from your well. Uh, Let her know that her body, the way it is, is yours. And yours, the way it is, is hers. And God confirms those pieces of flesh in the covenant and we're one. Remember those. Be mindful of God's covenant. It all goes back to effective communication. If, if, listen. 
If you're always rushing to get done first and do what you want to do, how are you going to know, how you, how are you going to know your sister? Because all you're concerned with is yourself. See, Jesus came and sat with the sinners. Why? Because he wanted them to know, I know you and I know what you need. Christ in the church. He came for the church. Take your time. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Then it says, and be thou ravished with her love. Become ravished with your spouse's love. Ravished means intoxicated with. Because I guarantee you this, and this is sowing and reaping too. If you become intoxicated with her love, she will become intoxicated with yours. Don't be intoxicated with yourself. Be intoxicated with each other's love. Please your spouse. Make sure that they know that they're first in your heart and your mind. Save God. Let me help you. In marriage covenant, it means that our bodies are claimed by God for each other's service. Not for your, the service of yourself. Again, and I've said this before as well, if you're committed to each other's, each other's uh, pleasure in marriage, then nobody's going to be disappointed. That's sowing and reaping. It's plain and simple. Listen, you're going to get out of your marriage with what you put in. And if one person puts in everything and, and gives out everything and nothing, and gets nothing in return, pretty soon they'll be empty. Then they'll be looking for something from somebody that will give them something. And you know, there's a scripture that comes to mind when I think of this. It's doing to others as you have them doing to you. And a lot of people say, well, uh, this doesn't apply to marriage, you know. But no, let me tell you something. It doesn't change for marriage. As a matter of fact, that scripture intensifies for marriage. Because marriage is, is a covenant and it's about service. Doing to others. You know, as Christ loves the church, remember? Do to your wife. That's why it says in Ephesians, listen, husbands, you, you treat your wife as your own body. Do unto others as you would do to yourself, especially the one you prefer. And when you go into the covenant of marriage, you're saying, I don't prefer me. Uh, don't, don't, listen, don't discount Paul's words, single people. He wishes that you all were like him. Because there's troubles. And then, you know, in my study time, the question came up to me, you know, you have those other people, well, you know, what if it's the time of the month, or what if I'm physically unable to have physical sex with them anymore, or do this or do that? And that's fine. Because being physical with your spouse and rejoicing with the wife of your youth goes further than sexual intercourse. Again, like I said, if you haven't heard about now, that's just a byproduct. It's just an expression of your love. Uh, it's just a byproduct of your dwelling according to knowledge and wisdom. 
It's a byproduct of you being kind. It's a byproduct of you upholding your part of the covenant. It's built in. And again, those a byproduct of dwelling and and, and according to knowledge of wisdom that makes those times more pleasurable and enjoyable. You know, I tell my wife this very often, and it's truth. And I tell her it at least once or twice a week. But I tell her because we do this a lot, often. I tell her, you know, my favorite part of the day is when it's just me and her, me and her in the bedroom together. And, and we're not necessarily having sexual intercourse, but we're just spending time together. It, it, listen, like I said, it may not have been planned for sex or whatever. But this time with me and you, it's going to happen every day. Uh, just like when you plan, but this is going to happen. I spend the time with you every day. Uh, listen, in those times, you know, when I lay my head on the lap or I hold a hand or we may tickle each other and play games or discuss the word or maybe massage each other or talk about what we're going to work out in the morning or do this or do that. In those times, it's those times where I realize I have a friend that sticks closer than any brother. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Because she knows me inside and out. Uh, my wife knows my insecurities. So that's dwelling physically with them. She knows, listen, she knows what I need to hear and she knows what she needs to pray to God about so that I can hear it. Like, if I don't want to hear from her. She knows that comes with dwelling according to knowledge and wisdom. Uh, you know, some of those times when we're sitting together, we have disagreements. Just like when I'm, when I'm alone with, with God and I'm praying and the Holy Spirit comes to me and He tells me the ways of Christ and I'm like, my flesh is like, I'm, I'm not in agreement with that. Uh, but, uh, it's just like Abraham and, 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 and Sarah when she told him about Ishmael. God came and told him, yeah, you better get in agreement with it. Because we're dwelling according to knowledge and wisdom. God's gonna confirm His covenant. He's gonna confirm His word when that person that you're in covenant with comes and tells you. See, that's a friend. My best friend is my wife. Sticks closer than any brother. So get your mind off of you. That means rejoice with the wife that I use. And I want to talk about that a bit more as well because Rejoicing with the wife that I use, like I said, is more than just a physical. Rejoicing with the wife that I use means come hell or high water. In the good times and the bad times, I'm going to lift you up. That, that means always, uh, let me tell you what rejoicing with the wife that I use means. It means I'm going to remain consistent. <laughs> I'm going to remain the same, just like Jesus. The same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Why? Because you need, listen, as as Christ loves the church, I'm here to deliver my wife. Savior of my wife. Wash her with the water of the word. Adorn her with the fruits of the spirit. So I'm going to be consistent. No matter what changes come. No matter if there's a pandemic, I'm going to be consistent.
Though the world changes, I won't. You know why? Because I'm still going to be the one that you prefer. I know what you prefer. For me to change from that means I don't prefer you anymore. I'm going to remain consistent. I'm going to remain the same. Uh, that, that, that soldier spouse says, no matter the troubles, <laughs> yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear no evil. For God is with us in this covenant. He's confirmed it. Remain the same. Because let me tell you, we always have an adversary. He's always, the enemy's always present looking for an opportunity just to, to seek into the cracks of your marriage. Remain the same. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you all a little, and hopefully I can take it seriously. I'm going to tell you all, before this pandemic, I used to have lunch with my wife every day. Listen, pandemic, and before I started looking for another job, I lost my job, and guess what? I still had lunch with my wife every day. Every day. Save if something comes up. Right there at the house, because she works from home. It's lunchtime. I cherish these times together. See, this is, this is going to build up the anticipation. This, this is going to give you the byproduct of the physical. Because I'm remaining consistent. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to just be consistent in the sex. I'm going to be consistent in everything that I've told you, everything that I've showed you, everything that's in His Word, everything that I've, that I've done with the Word and have, and have adorned you with. I'm going to be consistent in the fruit of the Spirit so that you can be. That will keep you from, from losing sight in God's covenant. Because remember, this is His covenant. This is God's covenant. And I want to read verse 5. Let's go back to First Corinthians 7. I'm just about through and I'm going to close here. Uh, verse 5 again. It says, Defraud ye not one another, except that it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. And I just said it. Remember, you have an adversary. Your incontinency means your lack of control. Lack of self-control. See, the, the issue again is applying what the other one needs. Uh, emotional needs, spiritual needs, physical needs. But that only comes from dwelling and inquiring in their temple. And doing that will keep you from being tempted to stray away. See, become what your spouse needs to grow in the Lord. Uh, the scripture that comes to mind when Paul said, listen, I became all things to all men. To save them. Husband, you're to save the wife. Be, be, become the things that she needs to see God. To see Jesus. In your covenant. Just like our, our relationship with Christ. He provides everything we need. We have to believe and trust on him. So in your marriage, do your part of the covenant and trust that the others will do theirs. Walk by faith in God's divine institution. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.